through the neutral zone. Comes Connor McDavid. Double team. Got it back. Chris shot. Score. What a beautiful move. Deep backhand. Went back to the forehand. And welcome back, Connor. His sixth goal of the season is a work of art. Raleigh, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. Ladies and gentlemen, Dagger. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chet. Well, we're going back to school tonight, live from the campus of the University of Alberta. Claire Drake Arena, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. My name is Reed Wilkins. Great to have you along for the ride. We're going to be broadcasting during the game between the Golden Bears and the number one ranked Saskatchewan Huskies. Huskies are 21 and three, the Bears 15, seven and two. They're ranked seventh in the country. They're third in Canada West. The game will start at seven. We'll have a bit of a preview for you in about half an hour. Always a good showdown when these two teams meet up. By the way, if you're coming to the rake, say hi. Maybe I got some free stuff for you. Seven o'clock tonight, six o'clock tomorrow. Of course, tons of Oilers talk. They have won two in a row. They've been able to fill the net against a couple of weak defensive teams. And they continue to, I guess the way I put it is, not really be in the playoff race, but they're not completely out of it either. We'll see how many points they can get this weekend. They play the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night, or tomorrow afternoon, pardon me, that game on 6.30, Chad, 10.30 in the morning for the face-off show. The game will start at noon, and then on Sunday, it's going to be the Oilers against the New York Islanders, now stationed in Brooklyn, of course. 12.30 for the start of that game. The face-off show will be at 11. We'll hear a little bit from Todd McClellan, Taylor Hall, Jordan Everly. Bob Stoffer is going to hop on a little bit later on as well. Well, what else is going on this weekend? Oh, yeah, Super Bowl 50. Super Bowl 50. It is the Broncos against the Panthers. The Panthers, a significant favorite in this game. I'm sticking with my pick of the Broncos, 24-19. We'll have a couple of guest segments on this one. Jamie Thomas from Sportsnet, who joins us to talk football throughout uh, both the CFL and NFL seasons. He's uh, reporting on the game for Sportsnet. He'll be on at 8.30, and I'm really excited at 8.05. We'll be joined by former San Diego Chargers linebacker had a pretty significant NFL career ended a little earlier than he hoped it would Sean Merriman will be on the show he's now an analyst with Fox Sports 1 in the United States and of course I want to hear from you you can text 630-630 the phone number is 780-496-0063 the email inside sports at 630chet.com and you can tweet me at Reed Wilkins it's 609 thanks a lot for tuning in tonight live from Claire Drake Arena on the U of A campus so the Oilers able to get a couple of big wins here coming out of the all-star break McDavid is back certainly help I think getting the uh, break over the all-star break uh, certainly uh, helped as well the the schedule going into the break was I, I guess the best way to put it is an odd schedule look the if you're a good deep team you win whether you have injuries, you win whether you travel a lot, and all those types of things. Having said that, every team will tell you there are parts of the season that are more challenging because of injuries or because of travel and all those types of things. And, and I think the one thing for the Oilers was 
they they basically sort of had a seven-game road trip, even though they played two home games in January. They were at Arizona. They were at San Jose. So they're in the southwestern states. They come back to play Calgary, and then they go all the way back to the southeast to play Florida, Tampa Bay, and Dallas, and then they come back to play Nashville. And uh, now they came, and then they just had one home game and going on the road for four more. The games, at least this month, a little more spaced out. They only have one back-to-back or two back-to-backs this weekend, and then later on this month when they play the Kings and the Ducks. And they do have a six-game homestand that's going to start next Thursday. And some teams on that homestand that aren't doing very well, most notably Toronto, Winnipeg, and then they play Ottawa again. So we'll see if they can stay afloat. Uh, The problem for them is games like tonight when the Coyotes play the Anaheim Ducks. That's an 8 o'clock start. And the Ducks are eight points ahead of the Oilers for third in the Pacific Division. So you'd say, okay, well, you want Arizona to win. Well, Arizona could leapfrog the Ducks, and and it would still be a, uh, a difference of seven points. So... Uh, or pardon me, it'd be a difference of nine points. So those are the types of things you have to worry about with all the teams between the Oilers and the playoffs. If they keep grinding out wins, scratching out wins, they'll give themselves a chance. I like looking at that sports club stats site that daily, uh, that on a daily basis calculates the percentage each team has of making the playoffs. The Oilers yesterday were at 1.4%. Well, you win that game, you go up to 3.5%. So you go from very slim to... Or maybe you go from extremely slim to very slim. I don't know. Maybe that's what it would be. Look, the Oilers are probably going to have to get about 46 points in their last 30 games to make the playoffs. I can almost guarantee that won't happen. But I will say again, the McDavid effect. At least he makes you say, what if? What if he keeps producing points? What if the power play keeps, it's not going to be five for six all the time, but what if it keeps being dangerous? And what if they are able to capitalize against the weaker teams, uh, against the teams that are dropping out of the race, against the teams that are struggling. Columbus is last in the league. They did pick up a win last night over uh, Vancouver. I would expect they're probably going to wind up last. The Ottawa Senators certainly appear headed in the wrong direction. The Montreal Canadiens, who they play tomorrow, aren't scaring anybody with five wins in their last 26. There's no such thing as guaranteed wins, but there are games where you look at and say, all right, if if the Oilers play to their potential, you know, there's there's an opportunity. I, I don't really buy the argument. Well, they only beat Ottawa. Well, it was just Columbus. Look, you're going to play everybody in the league. What do you want? What do you want? Be happy about the win for once, everybody. They they, they got seven goals. They got a lead. Ottawa fought back. They pulled away and, and put it away. Take it for what it is. You can text us at 6:30, Phone lines are open 780-496-0063. I, I do find one debate interesting that that continues to be ongoing about a certain player on this team, and that is Neil Yakupov. And despite Jordan Everly having five points in two games and developing a rapport here with Connor McDavid, there were still there's still a significant portion of you who want Neil Yakupov in the top six and specifically want him with Connor McDavid. Let's let's listen to this clip from last night because I found it pretty interesting. Here's head coach Todd McClellan describing those the, the makeup of the lines after the win. You calculate when you put lines together. Um, you know, we start with, with Leon's line that's been really solid all year, so we're not going to fool around with that at all. And uh, then we look at what may complement... Uh, 
Uh, we're talking Connor in specific, what may complement his speed, uh, you know, where his passing areas are, who might uh, bene- benefit from it. And, uh, you know, we think Eberly can do that in and around the paint, and Benny Pouliot can do a lot of forechecking and the, the grunt work network for them. So it's been a good line. And in turn, Cassian, Yakupov, and... Uh, and uh, Latest, who's been a good one for us. So we, we seem to have found four lines right now that we've been successful with for two nights. We'd like to keep it going. All right, so no reason to disrupt the Dreisaitl Hall personal line. And then he's looking for players who can complement McDavid. And that's the, a perfect way to look at it because McDavid, whatever line McDavid is on, he's going to be the best player. And his explanation there was Everly is a guy who can with his ability and his hands around the paint, can put away goals. Pouliot can forecheck and do some of the grunt work. And, yes, another offensive zone Pouliot for penalty for Pouliot last night. I got news for, for you, everybody. That ain't leaving his game, ever. All right? That is Benoit Pouliot. He takes offensive zone penalties. He always has. He always will. He's always going to frustrate you when he does that. So if you expect Benoit Pouliot to change... You know, as he as he gets into his 30s, ain't going to happen. Okay? That's the player he is. So he's going to hook guys. He's going to take slashing and hooking penalties in the offensive zone, trying to create turnovers. It, it, it will not change. And you will be continually frustrated as long as he's an oiler. I guess you just hope he does a little less. But sometimes he's able to free up the puck. So other times he's going to take a chance and he's going to take a penalty and you're, and you're going to be shaking your head. So that's the, I hate to use the phrase, that's the he is what he is type statement. Most players actually don't change that much if you think about throughout their career. Maybe they understand to work a little harder or limit some of their mistakes, but I I think probably what you see from a guy when he's 21, 22, that's what you're going to see through varying degrees most of his career. So that's Pouliot. But he can help that line. And then Cassian Latestu and Yakupov were together before the break and, and and they stayed together. So if, if Yakupov had some of the abilities that Everly and Pouliot have shown more consistently, then he probably gets a shot on that line. But I, I don't think he has. But further to this point, here is McClellan speaking today specifically about Neil Yakupov. I think Yak's a two-way player. I think he can provide offense. Everybody thinks because you're the number one pick overall, uh, you're going to score 50 goals a year. It doesn't work that way. Um, you know, he's a he's a very gifted player. He understands the game, shoots well, plays a 200-foot game both ways. So uh, we're not going to pigeonhole him just as an offensive or defensive player. We want uh, a little bit of everything from him. All right, so is that Todd McClellan telling us that Neil Yakupov is a first overall draft pick who's destined to be a third-line player? That, to me, that's what that sounds like. Or, or is he telling us that Neil Yakupov is a player who is destined not to be a long-term Edmonton Oiler? He's, he's, he's pretty much telling you it doesn't necessarily work that... It, it doesn't necessarily just work that you're going to get high offensive production from everybody who's drafted high. And at some point, maybe you have to say to yourself, that's not realistically possible because of the way the guy plays. So, and, and you know, people called in last night. It's two guys where people say, what do you do with these players? Yakupov and Schultz. I, I know Elliot Friedman was on Oilers Now with Stoffer earlier today, and Bob and I will, will touch on this too. 
And Friedman was basically saying that it looks like the Schultz and the Oilers will just have to walk away from each other. That the, this, that the, that might just be it at the end of the end of the season, unless the Oilers can maybe trade him for, you know, whatever third round draft pick or get a prospect or, or something. That it just maybe isn't going to work. And somebody, I can't remember who it was. Somebody called the post game show a couple weeks ago and asked me what is Justin Schultz's dimension. And I, I didn't have one. I mean, a word a word I've used is is presence. Everybody has to have some sort of a presence on the ice, right? Taylor Hall's presence is his speed, you know, his ability to be dynamic, drive the play. Leon Dreisaitl has the presence of his size and his vision. Connor McDavid has presence in p- plenty of areas. Jordan Eberle, as much as some of you have turned on him this season, Jordan Eberle has the presence of being able to shoot the puck and finish plays and make one-on-one moves. Um, I don't know really what Justin Schultz's consistent presence is. And I, I, you know what, I actually complimented Schultz's last night and game last night and people got mad at me. I thought he played fine last night, but he's just sort of become a little vanilla. And, and I think Yakupov is, is like that as well. Um, it would, when he, even when he plays well, you're kind of like, okay, did he really have a big footprint on the game? And, when he has been with Cassian and Latestu, it, it's often he's often still been the third most noticeable pl- player on that line. So may, maybe that's maybe that's where he's destined to wind up. That's not a bad that's not a bad thing for a guy's career. I, I, it's obviously a bad thing for a guy you drafted that high. But maybe there just needs to be some acceptance from those of you out there who are really cheerleading for Yakupov that that is now the train track that his locomotive is going down. It is 619-780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Ben Scrivens in net tomorrow for the Montreal Canadiens. You will hear from him when we get back. Reed Wilkins live at Claire Drake Arena. The Golden Bears and the Huskies on the ice for warm-up. Back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Six twenty-four, Reed Wilkins coming to you live from Clear Drake Arena on the campus of the University of Alberta. Here live tonight, U of A Golden Bears ranked seven in the country, taking on the number one ranked. U of S Huskies, more on the Golden Bears coming up in the next half hour of the show. Right now, we are in your Action Furnace Oilers report, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. Of course, earlier this season, Zach Cassian acquired by the Edmonton Oilers from tomorrow's opponent, the Montreal Canadiens. The Oilers sent goaltender Ben Scrivens the other way, and Scrivens expected to play tomorrow for the Habs, and Scrivens commenting on his season so far. This season has been tough, um, you know, even uh, even in the minors. Um, you know, kind of got uh, kind of got buried a little bit there. So um, they got a great young goalie there in uh, in Bakersfield and uh, Laura Brassois. So uh, obviously he's kind of their guy for the future, I think. So um, it's understandable that uh, they, they want to get him going and they wanted to to worry about his development first. But uh, um, you know, there's only one net and two guys, so it's tough. You know, playing even down there at the start of the season, you go down there without a visa, you're sitting around for three weeks, and then kind of spot duty down there. So it's kind of been like that all season and. 
you know, I'm trying to figure out how uh, how to raise my game each and every every chance I get. And you know, it seems like every time you take a step forward, uh, you know, you, you sit around for a couple weeks and. Uh, um, a new challenge presents itself the next time you get in there. So, um, you know, it's part of being a pro is you got to uh, figure out ways to, to deal with it. And um, I definitely could have uh, maybe done stuff uh, a little bit better, but, uh, you know, it's a learning experience for me too, uh, trying to, trying to uh, figure my way uh, through this situation right now. So uh, it's tough, but uh, it's part of being a pro and part of the business of hockey. All right, that is Ben Scrivens, ready to go tomorrow for the Montreal Canadiens. Against, I would expect, Cam Talbot and the Edmonton Oilers. We'll see if Talbot gets both starts or if maybe Andres Nielsen pops into the net against the New York Islanders. Bob Stoffer from Oilers now going to weigh in a little bit later on. You'll hear from Taylor Hall and Jordan Everly. Up next, Stan Marple, the general manager of the U of A Golden Bears hockey team. Reed Wilkins, live at Clear Drake Arena. Justin Schultz from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports live from Claire Drake Arena. We did this last year for a playoff game between the uh, Golden Bears and the Calgary Dinos. That was pretty fun, so we thought we got to come back. So here we are tonight, the Alberta Golden Bears taking on the number one ranked Saskatchewan Huskies. Game will start at 7 o'clock. They play again at 6 tomorrow. In a couple of minutes, I'll be joined by the general manager of the uh, Golden Bears, Stan Marple, former player and head coach as well. Thanks for tuning in. Some text here to 630-630. Armsbar texting. He says, ha-ha, maybe the Oilers should have risked a riot and got Ryan Murray instead. Winky face. Uh, yes, you know, I, I always love it when uh, people text me stuff that uh, Bob Stoffer said. <laughs> I believe Bob did say that fans would be rioting in the streets if the Oilers took Ryan Murray over Nail Yakupov. I, I don't know. <laughs> would fans be overly happy with either guy at this point? I don't know. Um, yes. Armsward, make sure you text Bob on Monday. Gord says, the question is, will Todd McClellan ever bench Benoit Pouliot for his bad penalties? I don't, I guess the question is, does he take them often enough? We know he's going to take them. It's not as if he takes one every game. It's not as if he takes one every second game. I mean, how how often does Pouliot take one of his offensive zone penalties if you average it out? Every 10th game, maybe? So that's... I mean, like I said, they're not desirable. Um, are they bench-worthy? I, I don't know if they've quite reached that level. But that's a fair question for sure. And Jay says, I think we have to understand that Everly and McDavid is the way to go. Sadly, that makes Yakupov the odd man out. Fans have to uh, resign themselves to his position and possible trade. I just, I, yeah, I, the thing is, I just don't know if where he goes and what the appeal is to another team because like I said what is what is his dimension 
that if you say, all right, even despite his flaws, what does he immediately add to our team that makes us a little bit better? I mean, you can add you can add fourth line players like a Latestu in the summer, and you say, okay, what does he immediately add that at least helps us? Well, with him, it's been his face-offs and his work ethic and all that kind of stuff. If, if a team acquiring Neil Yakupov is still hoping, it's still hoping he's going to reach some sort of potential. So I think what McClellan was saying in that clip is, all right, we got to continue to work with the kid, and maybe he turns into more of a two-way type of guy where you're not going to get the huge offensive numbers, uh, but he can score at times. And in, in terms of, I mean, look, I think we knew even drafting him first overall that he was going to be a complimentary player in terms of that he was going to need people to set him up and get him the puck. Now, with certainly I thought he would be better at that and would be able to generate more on his own, but he hasn't been. So is now the standard, all right, he has to be a complimentary player in more of a depth role and still be able to score when someone gets him the puck, but be able to, you know, work as a unit for checking, as part of a unit for checking defensively and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I just think there's a, there's a point where you have to say, all right, we drafted this guy. Fine. He was first overall. He scored a lot in junior. Is there a point where you have to just let that go? And and you know what? As fans, whatever, you're going to be disappointed. I, I mean, and that's one is one of the draft record is one of many reasons the Oilers have been where they're at. You can turn that around and say, well, Jordan Everly's probably overperformed for where he was drafted, so maybe something's even out. But it, it, there's a I think there's a point where you have to say, all right, that's who we were hoping we were getting. And he's, and he's not that. Is there still a position for him on the team, given what he is? And to me, those are the, the, the crossroads that I'm at with Yakupov and the same with Schultz. And, you know, if Friedman made this point on Bob's show too, you know, what 27, 28 teams were after Schultz. Thought that he was going to be a, a pretty dynamic uh, power play type, offensive, puck-moving, skating defenseman who would be a decent defender. And that hasn't materialized nearly consistently enough. So okay, so now you're saying, do you want uh, do you want this guy as sort of a vanilla five-six defenseman on your team, or is it time is it time to move on? Right? I mean that that's now that's now the point we're at. So you can you can live in the past about it, or you can live in the now about it. And I and I think that is now that is the the now for those two players. So now you, now you ask yourself, and each individual Oilers fan listening is going to have their own answer, I suppose, and that's where the debate's going to come in. But is, is this guy now with his skill set and apparent potential and accepting that maybe that potential is less than what we were hoping, can we take the skills that he has and is exhibited and can he fit into the current team? Or can he show some improvement and help? But the Schultz looked, I mean, you know, it's funny. When we did our preseason predictions, Jack Michaels, Bob Stauffer, Brendan Ulrich, and I, the, the question, I can't remember who posed the question. It was Bob or Brendan. Will, will Justin Schultz get over 45 points this season? That seems like a, a question only a lunatic would ask at this point. And I should point out I was the only one that said no. 
<laughs> because that's it just seemed crazy to me even if he played really well and and hit a lot of points on the power play so there there we go it's 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 recognizing a player for what he is. Like the point I made about Pouliot. Okay, he takes offensive zone penalties. Do you write him off? No. Does McClellan recognize he has other strengths? Sure. Dan texting and he says, Reed, you still want to give up on Norris Trophy, Justin Schultz? <laughs> Come on now. I didn't say that. Dan says, well, we have to keep in mind that he is still very young. How old were Datsuk and Zetterberg when they got really good? Well, that's a fair point. And, I mean, you do have to be patient with players. And, it's, and everybody blossoms at a, at a different age. Um, I, I assume, that's, I assume Dan, your text is more in response to uh, Neil Yakupov than Justin Schultz. Uh, fair enough with Yakupov. He is still very young. I would just hope, though, by this age, we would have seen more signs of him becoming a, a, a legitimate sniper. I mean, we how, again, the, the Yakupov one-timer. How many Yakupov one-timers have actually connected over the last four years? Not very many for a guy who was supposed to be able to overwhelm goalies with his shot and produce on the power play. So we, we go on with this debate, and... It's ultimately Shirelli that's going to decide it. And may- maybe there's something here that can happen with Schultz. I don't know so much about Yakupov. Is Yak the greatest first overall bust since Alexander Daig? That is from another Dan. We got a lot of Dan's texting the show tonight. Oh, well, I guess we still give him more time before we know for sure. Uh, wasn't Patrick Steffen first overall? I mean, I don't know. That's a pretty disappointing first overall pick in my mind. Look, the, we we, we got to be honest about the we, we not only do we have to be honest about Yakupov and where he's at in his career, we have to be honest about the Yakupov draft. We have to be honest about the Yakupov draft. It's not a good one. It is flat out not a good one. Now this last one, and the one coming up, very good ones. So take take anybody out of the 2012 draft where Yakupov went first overall. Go on HockeyDB, look up the 2015 draft, ask yourself where Yakupov, uh, you know, Reinhardt, Murray, any of those guys, ask where they would go. Even Galchenyuk, who, you know, appears to be maybe the best forward now out of that group. Ask where they would go. Nobody goes Nobody goes ahead, Eichel, or ahead of Eichel or McDavid, that's for sure. I mean, do they, do they go ahead of the Stroms and the Martyrs of the world? Do they go ahead of Hannafin? Probably not. So that, that's, that's just the situation. 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. We got Kirk on the line, 780-496-0063. Kirk, thanks there for waiting. What's on your mind? No problem. Go ahead. Uh, well, Yakupov, he's, he is what he is, and... Um, we definitely can get a lot more for Everly than for Yakubov, especially if we play him on the line with McDavid. However, maybe the Oilers should play Yakupov there and get his value up before they trade. But they have the separate cap issue too. And if you got to get rid of somebody, 
got to be either Everly or Nugent Hopkins or somebody because they got to sign a bunch of people coming up in the next couple of years. I don't know. I think Everly is going. He's going to get us a good defenseman. We could save on $6 because he's probably not worth it without McDavid. He doesn't do much besides uh, finish. And um, Yakupov could easily jump into that spot and get lots of points with McDavid, too. So I think Everlay is the best choice to get rid of at this point. All right, now, Kirk, if, 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 you're, the, if, if you're being the arm GM and, GM and you want to do that, my question to you remains the same question I've been asking everybody for months. When do you do that, if that's the move you want to make? As soon as you get the best defenseman that you think you need. Okay, so you wouldn't necessarily say this month or in the summer. You would just, that, that, that'd be your approach. Well, the summer, I don't know. If somebody's desperate for uh, for a good winger before the playoffs, I'd, I'd take it. Of course. Yeah. Well, I... I just, I think they're going to give Everly a pretty good shot here, and I, and I don't know. I, mean, I think Shirelli is torn right now because that's I, the feeling I, you get from the team, hey? Because well, I don't think he thinks the playoffs are completely out of reach. I mean, I, I imagine they want to get through this six-game homestand. Then they still have about ten days before the deadline. I don't think they have a playoff team, though. They need to keep building. Well, no, I don't think they are either, and I think if they've got in, it would be a miracle. But I still think he's waiting to see if a miracle is possible. Even if they did make the playoffs, it's it's going to be hard. I think they should try and uh, do something for next year. Get a good defenseman somehow. Like yeah, I know we got guys coming, but oh man, like the worst defense in the league is it's pretty harsh to take every year. We we got to have somebody here. Yeah. I think with Everlay, we could probably get somebody good. I have no idea who's out there. However, maybe if we finish really bad, we can trade our draft pick for a good defenseman too. That's yeah. another option. Kirk, thanks for calling here. I got I got a live guest standing by. Good discussion there. Good text coming in about the uh, the conundrum with Neil Yakupov. We're live at Claire Drake Arena. The Golden Bears and the Saskatchewan Huskies are going to face off at the top of the hour. Stan Marple is the general manager of the Golden Bears. Stan, thanks for making time for us tonight. Oh, my pleasure, Reed. All right. So uh, you you you're in a unique position. You are a, a former player, former head coach, and down former current, assistant coach. Former assistant coach, and now current general manager of the University of Alberta Golden Bears. There's nothing left for you to do. <laughs> Just win more. Yeah. Well, that's that's our mantra. That's our goal to win every year. So uh, no, it's uh, very uh, very fortunate to be uh, involved with this program and uh, surrounded by lots of great people and and lots of great alumni that help us uh, run it the way we need to. You know, it's funny. We, on a talk show like this, you talk so much about trades and, and free agency. When you're building a university team, you're hoping that you're getting a guy for five years. Five years straight through. Obviously, you can't trade, and, and you hope that the, the commitment is going to work both ways. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, my rookie year as head coach, uh, Eric Hunter and uh, Derek Ryan each had a year of eligibility left, but decided they wanted to uh, to go play in Europe uh, or professionally, so I was able to help Eric get a job with Lake Erie in the American Hockey League, which he played there for the full year, and he's now in Austria, and Derek Ryan had 
three good years in Austria, a year in Sweden where he won the Elite League in scoring and was MVP, sorry, and uh, now he's signed with uh, Carolina and playing in Charlotte and is their captain. So, yeah, every you want those guys for five years for sure, but you don't always get it. <laughs> well, yeah, true, and, and a lot of a lot of Golden Bears have gone to play uh, pro in Europe, some guys in Asia even, and as you mentioned, a lot of guys wind up in the uh, – in the American Hockey League, and you get the odd Corey Crosses of the world that uh, wind yeah. up playing in the in the National Hockey League. Uh, in terms of this year's team, the two national championships in, in a row um, has that, and a coaching change. How has that impacted this year's team? Well, I mean, uh, the two national championships are what we set out to do, and we did that, so that's great, but that's in the past. And, uh, you know, I guess you're doing some good things when you lose your coach to the National Hockey League, and uh, we lost a third-year player who was going to be a third-year player in our top scorer in TJ Foster, signed with the Toronto Marlies. So those are all good things. Um, we lost some depth at the back with Jesse Craig leaving and playing, like you said, in the Asian League, and Johnny Lazo also leaving a few other key glue guys, you know, uh, a Zach Daly, a Drew Nickel, those kind of guys. They're really glue guys. So, you know, we brought in some good rookies this year. We got some great players that we've we've added, and uh, we've played some good hockey pretty much throughout the whole year. We just maybe lacked a little bit of consistency in our game at times, and that's learning pains. But uh, I like where we're at. We got a great opportunity to uh, win four games and finish second in the league and host the first round of the or the second round of the playoffs. Well, you're getting tons of shots on goal, which has which has been a standard for this uh, for this team but uh, losing five of the, the last eight so the right now it's you and Mount Royal for second place to try to get a bye Saskatchewan is uh, clinched first overall I should ask you about this Huskies uh, program just from your view as a, as a competitor because they've been a chief rival for the Bears for a long time and uh, and now I mean they've surged into number one overall the fans coming tonight and tomorrow what what do you see from the Huskies oh, it's going to be great hockey I mean Dave does a good job with his program and uh, they're always there thereabouts uh, I think uh, when we won the first national championship uh, with Ian Herbers in Saskatoon we played the Huskies in the final so it was uh, it was an all Canada West final which uh, was great and it's a testament to the program they run they're doing a great job this year uh, Cookie's playing really well for them, Leduc uh, product, and uh, he's playing well. And you know, we just gotta we gotta get gotta gotta get a little dirtier in front of the net, so to speak. You know, get in the trenches a little more and and uh, impose our will a little bit more in the offensive zone. All right, uh, you're always looking for players. Um, already some Western Hockey League guys in the pipeline for next year. I guess uh, you probably. I mean, is, are you allowed to talk to guys all season long? There, there well, are windows where you can talk yeah, to guys. There, How does it work? Well, there's a protocol that uh, you need to follow, and you know, the, you gotta you gotta realize, you know, so these guys are playing in the WHL. They're doing really well, whether they're drafted or not. You know, they have a goal to play pro hockey, and you gotta respect that because they put a lot of hard work into it. So, you know, we let the 20-year-old players know that uh, that aren't uh, don't have any eligibility left. That, you know, the ones that we w would like to consider them coming to the U of A at Christmas, we send them an email and a bunch of package some video uh, a lot of information about the program and then uh, you know a lot of them will get back to me I'll follow up and say thanks for your interest you know and uh, let's keep in touch if you don't get that pro contract you're looking for we'd love to have you type thing and then uh, you know send them a little email before playoffs and you know let them know we're we're, we're still here and uh, you know we want to be an option for them if they don't go pro all right so uh, home game and then you're home and home next weekend against Mount Royal yes and if, if everything goes according to the 
plan, that'll decide second place. Yes, it will. All right. We've got to get ourselves in that position first, though, Reed. But this is going to be a great well, weekend of hockey. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's always sure. glad to do the show from here tonight. Crowd's starting to come in on another home game tomorrow. Stan, thanks Appreciate for dropping it, by. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Stan Marple checking in, general manager of the U of A Golden Bears hockey team, as they are ready to uh, take on the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. So we're live from Claire Drake Arena tonight. So we'll keep you updated on this one. Bob Stoffer is going to check in a little bit later on. We'll touch on uh, this series a bit. We'll talk about the Oilers. And I, th I think Bob is attending a uh, – he might be going to a McGill game tonight. That's how much he loves CIS hockey. He's spending his Friday night in Montreal going to a university game. Just a couple of texts here. Uh, Oz says, Chris Pronger was booed in Hartford before going to St. Louis and flourishing. Either Schultz does the same here or he goes on to succeed or continue busting in another city. Mark says the blame for Yakupov's situation clearly lies at the feet of Dallas Aikens. Give the kid time to undo the damage. Uh, Tina says Yak reminds me of an inconsistent Hemsky full of promise but never delivered much. That's an interesting uh, comparison there. And not sure who this one is from. Everly will be traded. Yakupov will play with McDavid. He will be perfectly fine there. He has proven it with him before getting hurt. What Everly did without McDavid, he was a no-show. He's an older player than Yakupov. He'll be traded with Schultz. All right. Well, we'll see. Everly has scored more in two games than Yakupov did in about 10 with McDavid. Just keep that in mind. Again, let's just be realistic. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. Inside Sports live from Claire Drake Arena. All right, coming up to the 7 o'clock news break. Reed Wilkins live at Claire Drake Arena. The team's just lining up for the national anthem. The Golden Bears against the number one ranked U of S Huskies. Inside Sports presented by AMA. Be listening tomorrow for your Alberta Motor Association's Oilers Hockey. AMA safety and savings for your family. It is an early one for Hockey Day in Canada. We will sign on at 10.30 in the morning with the face-off show. The game against the Montreal Canadiens will start at noon. Then on Sunday, 11 a.m face-off show game against the New York Islanders at 12.30. Bob Stoffer is in Montreal. He'll join us a little bit later on. Here comes the anthem and we're back after the 7 o'clock news. <laughs> 